everybody to the MGA MediaCast. This is episode 39. My name is Straight Willie Dills, co-founder. And of course, with me, joined as always by El Presidente, John Lucky Kick Morley. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. And are you sure this isn't episode two? Because uh... uh, Okay, episode two of the relaunch. I, I was going to talk to you about that. We, we could <laughs> throw out every single old episode and just start it over. Uh, nah, nah, there, there was some good stuff. But uh, I definitely got got some good feedback. A lot of people happy that the media cast is back. So that's I was uh, hearing the same. I was getting text messages. People were like, "Holy crap, dude! Great episode. Thank you." And I was like, "Good, okay." I, I actually made yeah. this joke the other day too on the uh, the torture cast, which is the podcast I do about the Giants. The media cast was actually the very first podcast I ever did. Right? Really? I yeah. Remember we we started this just. On a podcast, weren't even a thing. Yeah, they weren't really. We created podcasts. <laughs> we invented it. We were in the living room on Turk Street on my laptop. I'm still there, and I yeah, you're still there, still MJ headquarters. Uh, and yep. I just I bought all those mics and everything, and I was remember I was just like, we're gonna do a podcast. This is what we're doing. And you and Mike were like, yeah, sure, I'm in. And uh, mm. at the time, we didn't really have an MGA to talk about. Really, it was like there wasn't I, like. <laughs> a tournament schedule and a world championship and all that. So we just kind of made up a bunch of segments. If anybody wants to go back and listen to the original episodes, they are on this feed. I'm pretty sure my friend Jake called into the first episode yeah. from another room in the house and said, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah. Jake was our biggest <laughs> fan at the time. Uh, our only fan yeah. really, at the time. Uh, yeah, we had episodes. My ex-wife called in a few times. Like we we were just we were just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. And you know, uh, similar to the MGA in those days, we were just kind of figuring right. it out as we went along. But it was funny because I that's the first podcast I ever started. Then in 2011, I started doing the Torture Cast, and we just did episode 260 of that. Wow! And here we are, episode well, 39. But we have taken several hiatus. Now, look, if 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 we want to talk about things that have happened in the MGA or the Torture Cast, the MGA has far surpassed the Torture Cast as far as like events, people who are involved in doing things month to month, but. Just episode-wise, it was just hilarious. I was like, that's crazy. That's 260 episodes. That is. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more baseball games each season, right? True. So. True. Only eight <laughs> tournaments a year in the World Championship. You got 162 games. It's a lot more to cover. Uh, well, this this one, we're already kind of into it, but this episode, we're going to focus mainly on MGA culture. And uh, the MGA culture is one that has kind of um, come into existence in a very natural way over time, I would say. It's, it's kind of just built on the backs of a lot of inside jokes, hanging out with each other, spitballing, other people having weird ideas that we thought were funny, you know, and just kind of how it, it was. It was just very, to me, it was very uh, a lot of, grassroots. A lot of theft. A, a lot of, a lot of intellectual. A lot of theft. A lot of intellectual <laughs> sure. property theft. Well, tweaking of already good tweaking. ideas. But tweaking. a lot of ideas we came up with have been stolen by other people as well. That's uh, right. You know. That's right. The PGA, the, the, tables have turned and the PGA tour is now stealing from us. Mm-hmm. It's only, a, only a matter of time till live tour picks up the slug index, <laughs> but more on that later. Yeah, uh, for sure. But no, I think, I think this is the perfect episode to do now because one of the comments I got from the last one was a new guy who was stoked to hear about some of the history of the WC 
um, because this is his first year in the MGA. He's stoked on everything. So this will be good for all those new chapters and uh, and new medias to know a little more history about the MGA. Yeah, we're going to talk about the the era prior to the WC as well as just kind of the thing the the things that you know are kind of encouraged, discouraged, just just kind of stuff that that uh, kind of happens over time. And like I said, very naturally, these are the things that that have become part of the culture. And I will say another thing that's part of the culture is uh, knowing medios from other other cities, other chapters, other places. And John, I think you just came back from another city where there's another chapter. Uh, you were part of an yeah. event just this last, this last I was, week, right? That's right. I finally went out to uh, Todd Benoit's um, dad's charity event. This was actually the 10th one wow. that he's done. Yeah. And I finally made it out there, and I roomed with uh, a medio from Quebec, uh, played with a medio from Ireland, and it was hosted in the town or near Taunton, where Todd grew up, which also has an MGA chapter. So a lot of MGA there. And then beyond that, there were probably 16 of the 18 holes had sponsor signs from various MGA chapters or MGA members, which was really cool to see. Dude, that's awesome. I, I was really yeah. excited to see that picture because I do remember when Todd started doing that. And um, and it was, you know, it was a small, small-ish thing that was just kind of, uh, you know, a great idea to – to kind of memorialize his father and stuff. And there's a lot of people in the town who are part of it, but it, it, it was very clear the MGA was going to be a big part of that going forward. I didn't necessarily know like what his plans were going forward, but for him to have done 10 of these now, and I saw his yeah. post, he was like, see you next year. You know, so this is just now, this is a thing. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a really, really cool thing. And it's very, very part of the MGA culture to not only make friends with guys in your chapter, but to have friends with people in other chapters. And this is why the world championship is so important. That's your biggest opportunity to really kind of cement yourself into the, uh, the, the giant extended family uh, of the MGA. So that was, that was really good. Yeah. And the cool thing now is how many regional events go on. And those are obviously all just organized by chapter leaders who talk to other chapters in, in their area and end up making these, these regional events and, there's so many of them. My dad runs the Cincinnati chapter and he, they have, I think four regional events he has to do now Jeez. just because they love them so much. Like Ohio's hotbed of mediocre golf. Yeah. So they do the, the Buckeye cup. They do the BS cup. They do the Midwest regional. Okay. Maybe it's three. There maybe it'd be one I'm forgetting, but yeah, a lot of golf scheduled out there. That's crazy. Yeah. We actually just had the, uh, the cross Bay cup, cross Bay cup. happened here. So for, yeah, anybody who's new to the MGA, uh, if your chapter isn't participating in one of these, uh, find out if there's anyone's close by. And if there's not, guess what? You get to create one. That's the beauty of it. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, uh, did I hear San Francisco won? That's right. San Francisco won the Cross Bay Cup, destroyed Oakland by half a point, <laughs> and uh, now leads the overall record at five cups to four. Well, and everyone knows so. I'm diehard San Francisco chapter forever and ever. Never, oh, ever, forever. Ever, never. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, I was actually looking at the results and I was like, wow, Todd lost, you lost, Yasin yeah, lost, I, well, Justin lost. I was like, yeah, how did we the win? Team, the team won. <laughs> Johnson and I lost together. We were in yeah. a four ball. We, we earned that loss. That's for sure. Uh, all right. Let's get into some of the some of the culture, some of the philosophy that kind of started to build and gain momentum as me and you 
and, and back in the day, Raj and Mike kind of started talking about the MJ as a thing. Uh, for people who don't know, it was originally just four guys playing golf every weekend. We were playing a lot of golf. It was great. We were. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I heard you say the words mediocre golf association. I think we were coming up on hole nine at the par three course in Golden Gate Park. And you were like, this is the mediocre golf association or something like that. It just kind of just kind of yeah. blurted it out. And uh, from that moment on, we just started to kind of build upon the core tenants of the MGA. And one of those, and I think one of the most important ones, is embracing the fact that you suck at golf. And this is what we kind of all came to terms with at that time. Because we were young men, right? We definitely had potential. And then <laughs> we realized, <laughs> then we realized, after playing together a lot, that's overrated. Potential? Overrated. There's potential for bigger things than getting good at this game, right? Right. No, I think uh, I think we we realized pretty quickly that that sucking at the game was still a lot of fun. And actually, a few times, at least personally, when I, when I would show imp- improvement or when I do these days, even very quickly becomes less fun for me. Like it just the expectations raise, and it just all of a sudden when I'm not hitting the ball well, I'm not enjoying golf as much. So I I encourage anyone who can get to to the mid to upper 80s to just settle in, stay there. Like that is the sweet spot where you're hitting the ball well enough that you're shooting a respectable score, but you don't have these unrealistic expectations of uh, my, my typical thing is as soon as I start hitting the ball well, I'll text Todd and ask him, does he know when the city championship is? And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the next round, inevitably I shoot 20, sco- 20 strokes worse. Dude, I, I'm the same way. I So I went to um, Orcas Island recently, and they had a little nine-hole golf course there. And I went out by myself with rental clubs, no glove, no no golf shoes. You know, just play, played by myself. And I had no ball. an absolute blast, dude. Yeah, it was just like just being out there, hitting the ball. What I was doing was I was hitting two balls off the tee and then just playing the better of the two. You know, like that classic thing you do like when you're by yourself not keep it score at all right i had one one birdie putt there was a uh, one hole that was like 360 yards and i almost drove the green because there's a big hill on the backside, and i got my nice. drive up and over that hill and it kicked like to i don't know 20 feet from the green and i pitched it on pretty close and then i missed the putt and i was like ah dang and then just moved on with my life did you miss the putt because you were Googling when is the next long drive contest in yes. San Francisco? Yeah. No, I was I was still <laughs> in my mind calculating how long that drive was. And so, you know, look, <laughs> right. I was driving for show that day uh, and there was no dough. On sure. So, but I mean, it was just, yeah, I, I think once we all kind of realized that um, the, the beauty of the golf wasn't necessarily the final score that we were posting. And it, although at that time we were very, very diligent about posting our scores and keeping track of exactly how well fairwayfiles.com, baby. Oh, that's right, baby. Fairway files. Uh, but it was really the, uh, you know, just the getting together every, every weekend, uh, going out to like get breakfast at, beforehand or getting in and out afterwards or whatever and just hanging out and talking. That really became the thing that I always looked forward to. And once we all kind of embraced the sucking, uh, it the whole thing just kind of fell together, really. It was like that. It was like that was the one piece that then just spread out, kind of informed every decision and every kind of thing that came after that. 
Uh, and I, one of those, things- I think, well, I was just going to say, I think I just thought of the moment where I embraced sucking at golf and it was, uh, Mike Bolin, one of the original four had given me a wedge, uh, that I do think he, he got out of the lost and found at, uh, the golden gate park golf course, uh-huh. but still he had given it to me as a present. And, uh, I broke it around a tree trunk one day cause I was pissed off. And, uh, and he was he was not pleased about that. He I, I felt bad about how bad he felt about that. And I think that might have been the last last time definitely the last time I broke a club. Mm-hmm. I can't I, I very, 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 very rarely throw clubs these days. I, yeah. Because I don't I like actually, I don't like that. I don't think I was there for that or if I was I've black It was at mind. uh it was at Blue Rock Springs. Okay. Maybe I was there for that, but it's, it's um, seared into my memory. <laughs> I, I I can say if that was the the last time you did it, I can't. I yeah, I I agree. I can't remember a single time since then that you've ever expressed uh, like serious frustration. I've seen golfers go absolutely ballistic. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, real cool guys <laughs> only do that. Uh, I I think I've never really been that way. I think I've always been. You know, I've definitely been disappointed. No. I get, I get really pissed at myself if I hit a really good shot and then completely duff the approach shot or something. Sure. Uh, which, you know, the problem is I do it too often to really get that upset about it. You know, it's just part of my game at this point. But yeah. <laughs> one of the things about embracing the suck, though, that that I think kind of was a byproduct of that was that we also really embrace the rules. Yes, we suck at golf, but that doesn't mean that we're going to, like, give ourselves strokes like we're. I want to know how bad I suck, you know, I want to know exactly. truly how bad I am or good I am that day. So this is one of the things that I think we all instantly agreed upon was just, we want to play by the real rules of golf. I really want to know where I stand. Uh, and I think yep. you were, you were right with me there. And it was very early on that we decided we had to make like videos about the rules, how to follow them properly and make sure everybody else knew, uh, of course, within limits, like we're not going to be like, rule Nazis out there or anything, but it's like you want everyone to understand what the rules... And when you hit a bad shot, this is one thing I find I notice. When you hit a bad shot, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to escape the penalty. And it's like, no, no, you hit a bad shot. You deserve a penalty now. Like, that's... Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I encourage everybody, embrace the rules. Well, exactly. I I think we had had no choice if we were going to hold competitions with with each other and i think we already pretty much played that way but but following all of them i at least for me quickly it was just like oh yeah this is this is the way to go because then you you know your score actually means something <laughs> it's a legitimate score you know you're you're having a legitimate competition because everyone is following the rules so if people start even getting a little loose on them all of a sudden it's not not an even competition and what the fuck's the point of that? Exactly. Uh, I will say this, though. This this is one of the things that I've noticed over time, and I know you have too. People join the MGA with an inflated sense of how good they are at golf. They <laughs> they come in and they go, ah, well, you know, I usually shoot like low 80s. Yeah, sometimes I'll break 80. And then they quickly realize, well, they've been giving themselves five-foot putts forever. They've been taking right. a stroke on – out of bounds shots uh, or sometimes not taking the stroke. I can't tell sometimes what people think the penalty is supposed to be, 
but they right. clearly have not been counting up their strokes properly. And they show up at their first MGA tournament and they shoot, you know, in the low 100s, sometimes the high 100s. And they uh, they, they quickly realize, oh, the, the rules, <laughs> rules, got it. So, yeah, I mean, just, yeah. just follow the rules. It's a lot It's a lot more fun and it'll prepare you better for MGA tournaments for sure. Uh, the other thing that will yep. prepare you is accepting your handicap. This is, uh, I think, the handicap system that, that we landed on is just about perfect. Uh, I, what's your take on that? I I feel the same way. And uh, so for, for those of you who haven't looked into it or, or have no idea how it works, first off, number one thing I have to say, just to educate some people, your handicap is not your average score. So mm. please stop thinking that and stop telling other people that. Your handicap is like your potential best score, right? On your best day, like that's that's what you might shoot. So like if your handicap's a 12, on your best day, you'll shoot 12 over sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But then typically for, for USGA, it's 10 of the last 20 scores they use to, uh, to figure out your handicap. But of course that would take more than a season to update handicaps in, uh, in the MGA with only eight events. So we couldn't do that. We also couldn't let people put in user scores. Sorry. Tried that. That didn't work. Yeah. That, <laughs> Big that surprise. Miserably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's it's only based on your tournament scores, and it takes uh, your three best differentials of your eight most recent scores once you have at least eight scores in. When you first come in, it's only taking the best one, and then it, it works its way up to three of the last eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I do. I feel like it. once we got to that, and there was just kind of trial and error massaging and figuring out what was going to work best, and once we got to that, I felt like the tournaments became better, closer, and just more more accurate uh, with with people's handicaps. I, I think you know what happened in San Francisco, which would be you know like the canary uh, in the coal mine type of scenario. A lot of times for the MGA, uh, there was a time where a lot of the same guys were winning tournaments, and yeah. the handicap system was put into place in the in its current iteration. Now you see a lot of different guys winning, which is the way it was always kind of supposed to be. Um, it's it's meant to give everyone yep. a chance. The person who kind of comes out and shoots and just has a good day for themselves tends to be the person who ends up winning, not just somebody who has somehow finessed the handicap uh, to, to benefit them. So, yeah, it, it's it's changed quite a bit, but the uh, the 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 system now is about as good as it's ever going to be. Right. And I'd. I like how I I think it is pretty simple. Apparently, the people who are still confused by it don't think that. But I I think it's as simple as it could ever be. Only taking tournament scores, th- best three of your last eight, and yeah, just keeping it as as simple as possible and as as clear as possible. And I, I think it works well. Well, it's supposed that the 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 last eight thing is imp- is pretty important in my opinion because it basically will cycle kind of season to season. Like you're not going to see a lot of huge changes within a season right now I have five and I assume I'm basically going to have five for this whole season. Now next season, if I have a really bad year next year, I might end up going down in penalty strokes and maybe only having like three or four, but it's not going to change dramatically. And this is what you said earlier. A lot of people will, will go out and have one bad round and then they go, well, how come I still have penalty strokes? And it's like, well, because you had a good round, not that long. Ago. Right. You know, so just because you had one bad round doesn't mean you're suddenly going to knock a bunch of strokes off your score. And, and that's important to understand. It, like you said, it's 
It's measuring your your potential, what your best score right. should be if you go out and do really well, and uh, and that's how a handicap should work. It shouldn't be yeah like an average that you can massage and move up and down. You don't want them moving all over the place. You, if you slowly improve, you'll see it. It will happen. And if you yeah. have a bunch of bad seasons in a row, you'll see that your strokes will go away. It's uh, if once you've played enough seasons, you'll you'll have those peaks and valleys, right? Um, There's a bunch of 20, 25 handicappers listening to this right now. Like, come on, get get on with it. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll never have penalty care. strokes. By the way, I, I do think we should bring that up real quick. That was another. Um, that was another thing that we really wanted in the MJ was it's the mediocre golf association. Not the terrible golf association, not the awesome golf association. Right. It's meant that people who are mediocre at golf are the ones who are going to be competing. So if you're really bad and you are a 25 handicapper, the good news is you got a lot of chance for improvement. There's uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to take much. Just get out there, practice a little bit, and you can start working that handicap down. But uh, we don't want guys who shoot 73 to win, and we don't want guys who shoot 135 to win. We want the people who are shooting. You know, right around 90. That's that's kind of the goal. And that's what it's all set up to do. And it works really well. Exactly. And and I've seen multiple Cinderella stories that are exactly what I imagined when when we were coming up with this, where, you know, the guy who because I, I feel I still feel like any able bodied adult if they really wanted could get to an, an 18 or close to an 18 handicap. If they really practiced at it. And, and now, just in the Bay Area, I've seen two guys do it. First, first was Jesse Marty in our chapter, mm-hmm. who I'm pretty sure he used to shoot like low hundreds. And now he is just, I mean, he's won our money list a couple times. But it took years. It took years for him to win his first event. Yeah. And then, then he settled in nicely right in the sweet spot for the MGA and is now a regular contender. And then in Oakland, uh, Doug Griswold, it was his... 12th or 13th season when he got a win wow like this guy this guy he was terrible yeah he was terrible and and now he's i remember he he sunk the winning putt at a cross bay cup that was a couple years ago so that was his first hero status and then finally won his first event this year and like you know, as happy as he was, his whole chapter was even more excited about it. So that's the sort of thing. That's why I love our handicap system, because otherwise, as he was getting better, he would have won multiple events, you know, shooting like 105 or something as he improved from shooting 115. And that's just not how it's meant to be. You're supposed to shoot a good mediocre score, high 80s, and have a chance to win with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with five strokes now for me, uh, yeah, if I shoot, you know, I, I had a bunch of wins early on in the Austin chapter. And then now if I shoot like an 85, I don't think I'm going to win. And I think that's about right. Like, I feel like I need to shoot the real low eighties to, to actually have that shot. And I embrace that. I want, I want that challenge. Right. And I think that's anybody who has strokes should want that. Anybody who doesn't have strokes their their kind of challenge should be, can I earn some strokes? Um, yep. that could be the little game within the game, even if you're not winning tournaments. So, uh, the other big thing that the MGA kind of brought in at that time, and, and this was a lot of it at the beginning was the lingo of the MGA. And I know a lot of guys, they come in and they get really confused as to what the hell is going on. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it's very loose. It's not like we require everyone to use the terms, you know, Murdy, uh, Mar and Mogi, but it is encouraged that we like to at least clue people in as to what's going on. 
so you, I remember, John, you came up with the with the term Murdy. Uh, wh- what was what was going on there? What was the impetus behind that one? Uh, I think it it just had to do with basically you know the the new mediocre par right so like bogey golf is is par for the mediocre golf association so embracing the suck that we just talked about earlier it it was embracing the suck and then yeah some somewhere along the line it just was like oh mediocre par mar well okay if i shoot a par then i'm actually one under mediocre par so one munder so that would be a murdy that put me one munder and then it all just it writes itself from there, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just throw an M in front of everything, and you got the mediocre version of that. And uh, it all became very, very easy to, just, it, you know. And at that point, once that kind of uh, happened with a couple of words, all of a sudden it was like everything. People would start playing with us, and they'd be like, "What the hell are you?" T-? They would be like, "Birdie, right?" No, no, it's no. A, that's a meagle. <laughs> that's a meagle. Yeah. 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 It's it's a bit of a lost language, and there there are definitely some some diehards who who come along and and uh, and whip it out, and um, and yeah, the people, other people playing in my group are like, what the, what is he talking about? So like, even I don't use it that much anymore, but I, I'm starting to bring it back. Like I'm I'm putting it on the site more, and then we should put a link for sure to the page um, that explains it all. So it's mgatour.com slash about dash mga dash uh, or sorry slash about dash mga slash scoring Got we'll put a that's link easy to remember the, i won't have to put that on the blog or anything yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh i'm sure they all they all get it anyways after this great explanation yeah it's pretty but, simple. but yeah i mean but yeah you're you're just trying to get a, a couple merds over the course of the day finish a few munder a few munder mar and then I mean, you got that... a good chance to winning a tournament that to me was the biggest was the mover munder thing because you know and i remember there was a video a long time ago where we talked about it and i think you said something like you know imagine if you're 16 16 over well that feels bad right uh, it feels awful yeah Ugh. but guess what yeah. you're actually two munder that feels great yeah <laughs> so it's well, all about it's it, all about just, it does yeah it does, two munder so i really do go out and i measure myself to mover munder now all the time like i I don't consider yeah. like there's been a couple times. So at the world championships last year, after the first two holes, I was two under. And I was like, holy crap. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, wait, I'm five Munder. This is insane. Uh, so yeah, it's like, uh, but it's just, you know, the, when you, when you frame it in that way, it really does kind of ease your mind and make you feel a lot better about how your game is going that day. Uh, the other thing we always yep wanted to embrace which has been a challenge and we're going to have an entire episode dedicated to this at some point but one of the things that we want to become ingrained in the culture of the mga is playing fast playing fast golf and uh this wasn't very big of a problem when we were starting out when we didn't have that many players playing i just looked at the upcoming tournament for the sfmj we have 27 guys coming out for the four championship you know, with 27 players, not a shotgun start, it can really bog things down out on the golf course. You're trying to finish every putt. You're trying to play by the rules. So we encourage everybody, still do those things, but ready golf. Don't worry so much about perfect etiquette. Don't worry so much about trying to find every single lost ball forever. Just get on with it. Play the round. Have a good time. I guarantee you'll have more fun when the round's not six and a half hours. 
Um, and I know, John, exactly. you, you were a big proponent of this uh, when we even created the Slug Index a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're going to do a whole episode on that, which obviously we'll talk more about about how to play quickly. But, you know, we don't, we don't want to rush people. I think people just need to be aware, a little more self-aware of, uh, of how much time they're taking doing certain things. And that's where the slug index comes into play. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, we don't, we want people to have fun. We don't want them to feel rushed, but we need to get on with it, play ready golf and not be out there for, for six hours. Yeah. I'll say that the biggest thing, so it's not fun standing on a tee box waiting for the group in front of you to clear. And that's really the big thing here. When, when you mentioned fun being important, but that is the biggest measurement that you can just concern yourself with. If you can't see the group in front of you, you're, you take it too long. Um, exactly. Uh, that's just make sure you're always keeping up with whoever's in front of you. One real quick thing. Just take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, have your practice swings ever helped you? I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. If you if you look at the other guys in your group and you can't figure out who the slow one is, it's you. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk uh, about embracing your fellow medios a little bit. And that's actually going to kind of move us into the to the encouraged and discouraged uh, things in the MGA. And these are just these are not hard, fast rules. These are just kind of things you want to make sure that you're being a pleasant person to be around in the MGA. Because that's really what we want. Like we said, we're all out here to have fun. We're all here to have a good time. And so, uh, you know, when you come out to an MGA tournament, it's this is the, the beauty of it. Like I said, when I was just when it was just the four of us get together every weekend, it wasn't at the end of the day. I wasn't remembering the golf, even though, you know, I did remember that, too. It was more just like the ridiculous conversations we had. And some of the early videos that we had really kind of focused on some of the things like like Raj massaging his beard a lot while he talked and things like that. It was just we noticed things about each other. <laughs> And our friends, our friendships that we're building with each other. And I encourage everybody, that should be your focus when you come out to tournaments. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about medios and, and you know, the, the types of things. When you're when you're deciding whether to tell somebody else about the, the MGA, these are kind of the things to think about. So obviously being a fun guy, you know, come out, just uh, be ready to have a good time. Don't bog yourself down in playing good or bad. You know, figure out so what, uh, how to how to be a fun a fun friend for the people in your group. What would you if you got paired up with a random person? When, what? How would you determine that was a fun person just for you personally? Like, what would be like? Oh, this guy's fun. Wanna, uh, a lot of times, easygoing attitude about the game first and foremost, right? So, like, I, I, I'll, I'll definitely notice things like what we talked about with the pace of play and stuff like that. But I'll notice things like like. You know, after a shot, yelling loudly, <laughs> things like that. Ultimately, they take <laughs> you away from that instantly. But uh, but a guy who who can like laugh at himself, a guy who maybe doesn't focus so much on like, hey, what do you do for a living type of stuff, just kind of has random conversations about whatever. Uh, that's that's the kind of yeah. thing for me. You know, I'm I'm not out there to, uh, like to learn everything about your life, but I am out there to have a good time. And and yeah, if we if we've laughed more than once on the front nine, I, I like you. You know, right? Yeah, what yeah. I would say similar for me. Yeah, self self-effacing humor for sure. Sarcasm, wit, any 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 dry humor goes a long way with me. So uh, yeah, that's that's the main thing. And then and sort of like you were saying, just how how they react to shots, particularly bad shots, yeah. uh, has a lot to do with it. And 
And yeah, that can even, again, that's where humor would come into it. If they have a, a fun reaction to bad shots, that's, that goes a long way. But uh, we'll talk later about the 9HDB rule to sure. make sure we, that, we don't get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, go, just re- everyone yeah. remember 9HDB, 9HDB. Uh, I will say there there was a guy that I played with not that long ago where he had a lot of the great qualities. And it seemed like I was like, we got to hole 10. I was like, oh, okay, we're, I'm about to tell this guy all about that. I'm about to talk this guy's ear off. But then I remembered something that he did. And these are the types of things uh, <laughs> that, that that I don't like. So I remember on one hole, he hit – I mean, the guy hit a, a really far drive, right? He was, a, he was a good driver of the ball. And he smashed the drive, like, past another guy who had hit a pretty good drive. And proceeded to kind of just talk about that for like the rest of the, whole <laughs> and, you know, and it, and I think he made a double bogey on the hole or whatever. So just the whole time I was as, thinking like, no one cares, man. It's fine. Like we all as you're slowly sliding your MGA business card back into your wallet into my pocket. Yeah. So yeah. it was just it was a funny moment because like I, by the end of that hole, I was just thinking like. You're still talking about the drive, like we. Yeah. And the thing is, when he hit it, we were all like, "Yeah, hell yeah!" Like we we were stoked for him. Uh, right. Just leave it at that, though. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. You know, you don't you don't need to rub it in or hit it twenty yards past some guy. Or if he if he were talking about it in like a uh, like a tongue in cheek way, like the yeah. the Instagram account golf douchebag is great. Like just just talking about it, like they're they're sort of in on the joke. Yeah. Everything's all tongue in cheek, but. Yeah. yeah, but like, it doesn't sound you, like that was the case with this guy. No, it wasn't. If you, but if you make a joke about waiting for the green to clear on a par five, and then just go ahead and, and hit anyway, like that's the kind of stuff that I will it, that will endear you to me. But yeah, this was like yeah. above and beyond that, and that's the kind of stuff that you're like, okay, guy, I, I we got it. <laughs> we all saw it. So yeah, I will say though, there's there's definitely some things that you can make sure that you do when you're playing a tournament, which will um, which will endear you to other people. One of those being, you know maintaining the integrity of the tournament what i mean by that isn't isn't being a hawkish about what other people are doing are they breaking the rules or are they not making sure that you're not breaking the rules right <laughs> trying to follow the rules as closely as you can yourself it, sometimes that means asking other people that i will say that's one thing i like is when someone asks me like uh you know what do what, what do i do here where do i take the drop like if they're just they're curious about what the rules are i always kind of like that um yeah i i agree but I will say that I feel like more people should know what the stakes mean. Because <laughs> everybody asks me. People should do a little bit more every round or two. Yeah, yeah. I've had to explain them a lot of times. So yeah, white stake OB. Red stake is a OB. lateral hazard. And now, so now with with OB, since USGA stole some of our rules and changed things rules. in 20, exactly. 2019, you can now wear the ball when out of bounds. You can go up even with that go to the edge of the fairway and drop for two penalty strokes. So one out, drop two, three, you're hitting four, yeah. uh, but you still get, get the distance. It's, it's and basically, that, that just keeps pace of play going. It's Yeah, it's basically, so a lot of people are like, two strokes? What? That's crazy. And I remind right. them, well, the actual rule would have been to go back and hit again from the tee box. This is essentially the same thing as that. So if you exactly. went back and hit from the tee box and then hit a decent drive, on your second one, that's what you get now, and yeah. the same thing—you're hitting your fourth shot. So it's it's not we're not over penalizing, 
the MGA uh, paved the way on this one. This is a pace of play thing, and uh, PGA, yeah, it's it's this is a standard rule now. Although I think on the PGA tour they still go back a lot of times, right? Uh, oh, well, yeah, P- no PGA tour they have to go back. It's, it's a USGA local PGA is what it really is. It's a USGA local rule option, and we we do it. Yeah. So it's actually listed on a lot of scorecards now. I've noticed that they're like. Just do this. <laughs> Don't go. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good for pace of play for sure. Yeah. So, the, you know, like what I mean is like follow the rules yourself. And if you have a question, ask somebody. Um, you, you guys can yeah. figure it out together and you can do the thing that keeps the, the round moving along. Uh, people are going to like that. People aren't going to like it when you do weird questionable stuff and they go, was that? Right. Did you do that right? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and you know, embracing the suckiness is a part of it. It's like if you save, if you shave a stroke by doing something that you weren't supposed to do, no one's going to remember that. But they are going to remember, like they're not going to remember that you had one less stroke. They are going to remember if they catch you doing it though, and they're like, "Oh, that guy cheats." Uh, so do you don't right. want to get that reputation. Uh, sticking around for the award ceremony. This is a big one. And I understand not everyone can do it all the time. I know everyone has lives. We really try to respect that too in the MGA by holding only one tournament a month. Uh, you know, local softball uh, leagues could take a note from the MGA. You don't have to play double every <laughs> Sunday. You could just have one tournament a month. Um, so yeah, we understand you got families to get back to and stuff, but it is really nice when everybody's there for that award ceremony and everyone's clapping and cheering for each other. That just makes a lot more of a, you know, just a cool experience. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's that. and it's just it's part of the event. It's what makes it a special event. Like if you skip that, then you just kind of just played around a golf, which it's <laughs> that's that's OK. That's fun. We love golf. It's more fun to be a part of the part of the event. And that includes being part of the awards ceremony and clapping for your fellow medias. And and I will say this, like this is where I've really gotten to know because you spend, you know, a good chunk of time with the guys in your group. But this is where you really get to kind of know, like, everybody in your chapter, right? So I definitely encourage you. If you're not the guy who sticks around very much and you seem like you have... People will talk shit about you. You know. (laughs) It's because we all mock you. Your name comes up in the the awards and you're not there. We mock you. We know you're not there because you never stick around. Yep. Not going to drop any names. We know who (laughs) we're talking about. You have been. Yeah, you have been. And then this is, I'm just going to package a lot, bunch of this stuff together, which is showing your chapter leaders some love. It. Chapter leaders do a lot of hard work to put these tournaments together. And uh, me and John recognize that we are asking a lot of these people. But, uh, they, you know, they do it because they love it. They do it because they love you. Exactly. They do it because they love the MGA. And so just making life easy on them is a really big deal. Uh, and that involves, like, just signing up early, letting them know as soon as you can, like, if you're going to be there or not, things like that. Uh, prepaying if they're asking you to do that, all that kind of stuff. Just just being the guy that they don't have to worry about is a big deal. And you're going to be really popular in your chapter, in your chapter leader, if you're if you're somebody that they never have to think about. They know you're going to be there when you say you're going to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And this, is, this is just a life lesson, honestly. Like, you want, right. <laughs> you want people to think of you as reliable. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't be yeah. that guy. Uh, and then some discouraged stuff, John. You uh, you had some good stuff here that we've already kind of covered. Club throwing. Turf destroying. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. It's not fun. It's no. very uncomfortable when people do it. I know it's in the it's in the logo, but that's a joke. <laughs> that, that right there 
is sort of explaining the uh, the tongue-in-cheekness of the MGA. Like, yeah, okay, he's throwing a club, but we don't want you to throw a club. He's, he's, he just sucks at, sucks at golf. Yeah, I, I mean, always he, thought of that as he's, like, lost grip on the club. He's not throwing it yeah. in anger because he's, he's, he's not holding a perfect – Because he's, he's a fun guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a fun guy. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, cheating. If you, if you cheat, <laughs> people aren't going to like that, man. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you ever if you've ever been around somebody who's a cheater. People don't like it. Uh, slow play. We don't like people don't like that. Uh, one thing for the encouraged column regarding mm-hmm. cheating: if there's someone in your group is doing something wrong, again, like you keep saying, like we're not trying to be total dicks here, right? Mm-hmm. But like someone who's clearly cheating on purpose or clearly doesn't know a rule, and you know it's different educate them, tell them, settle it out on course. Do not go to your chapter leader after the round and be like, oh, this guy was doing this. Because, like, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. So, like, we, we didn't see it. You saw it out on course. And if you don't deal with it, then just don't bring it up. But we hope you will deal with it in a nice way. Teach the people uh, the correct rules if they don't know them. They can't seem to learn them then. And maybe bring it up to the yeah, chapter leader yeah. and we can deal with it. You can escalate at that point, but it but it is true. Like, what are what are the chapter leaders supposed to do with that information after the round is done and the score is on a scorecard? Um, right, they're just gonna go. Uh, I take your word for it. You are disqualified. Like that's just you know, <laughs> it's not how things are. We don't have TV cameras out there. You can't call some hotline to let them know that their ball moved on hole thirteen. It's not what's going on here. Now- so. The only exception to that is when, if and when Patrick Reed signs up for an MGA tournament, we will believe anything you say about him. Okay. Anything you come in and tell us Patrick Reed did something, we're like, yep, that Sounds checks like out. Patrick Reed to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one I, I like that you put in here, John. Swing tips. So you don't discouraged. Think, you don't think that I should tell that guy that I know why he's slicing? Uh, well, you and I both know of a very good golfer. Mm-hmm. extremely good golfer jay reynolds texas state champion or something like that he, really good yeah, golfer he's, uh, he holds a couple of course records in austin texas and yeah he's won the the austin city uh amateur championship multiple times and and even he give out unsolicited swing tips like there's no more qualified person that i know to be giving swing tips and he he, he doesn't do them. He's happy to give them if people ask, but he, he won't give them out unsolicited. And that's something I really love about him. And I think that's, uh, I think that's great. And anyone who's in the MGA is not qualified to be giving swing tips. Exactly. Now, if someone asks, if, if you're pounding the ball and someone asks you, how are you doing it? By all means, you know, tell them what weird shit you just heard about on Instagram and, and maybe they can try it for that day. But yeah, for the most part, uh, I don't know. Swing yeah, tips are to yourself. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Wait, wait for them to ask. I will say, John, you gave me one of the best tips that I ever had, which is that at some point I'd apparently started standing like five feet away from my ball when I was putting. And you, uh, Oh dude, this you told is... me, <laughs> yeah, you told me, Hey, uh, maybe you just stand like over the ball. Uh, and I remember but like, but, but again, I... this was not unsolicited. This, this was, I very solicited. I was struggling. And, uh, well, yeah, I let you, I let you cold shank like five to <laughs> 10 putts like dead, right. And I'm just holding my, holding my tongue. And yeah, then yeah. finally you're like, what the, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then I showed you, yeah, your setup, your club was like 45 degrees yeah. off the ground and you were hitting it with the bottom of the putter. So, I don't know how but I then, got to then that you place, by the way, I, I don't I know, even imagine, but, 
but then you became like the best putter I know and, and beat me in the Medio Cup with that same damn putter. So that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I know. You really should have kept that one to yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, sweet. Like again, like we're all out there to have a good time, and I definitely will ask people if I feel like I'm doing something that I can't fix. But if I'm not asking you, don't tell me, right? So there you go. Pretty simple. Um, all right. We uh, do you have anything else before we move on to the NHDB nine nine HDB? Excuse me. Nine HDB. I I, huh? I tried to abbreviate one more thing in it. <laughs> it's, it's already pretty short. All right, let's talk about it. Yeah. The 9HDB, uh, which, of course, stands for the nine-hole douchebag rule. This is very important um, because the MGA, we've had some growth spurts over the years. While I don't consider those to be negative for us, I also always want us to be careful about the league growing to include people that maybe shouldn't be in the MGA. Maybe they, they're not MGA material, right? And so the 9HDB uh, is all about kind of that core value, making sure. And I think, well, I was just going to say, like, I think we've now we've pretty much covered, like, what the MGA vibe is and what we're hoping for and looking for. And basically, the, all the people who can't seem to, to overcome all those items in the discouraged section that we just talked about are, are the ones we're trying to avoid, right? The super slow mm-hmm. play, throwing clubs and cheating i think that's yeah, yeah. that's the big three it's the big three go. right there and the and the and the key to this rule though which i remember when when you told me about this i was like ah uh, yes because we've definitely had made some mistakes at that point right um not glaring ones but you know like the we were maybe a little too eager early on in the days of the mga right we just discovered this great thing that we like oh my god wanted to um, tell the world yeah, yeah. And I consider the MGA similar to gravity. We didn't invent it. We discovered it. It would already exist. We just were the people who figured it out, right? Um, right. Uh, the 9HDB rule is important because sometimes after nine holes, you think that guy's real cool. And then all of a sudden, you get to hole 10, and they finally hit their first bad shot of the day, and they uh, they slam their club to the ground, and you're like, crap, I just told this guy all about the MGA. Well, you can yep. avoid that by you make sure you wait, 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 because people will show their true colors after a couple hours. Um, Nobody can make it through. Had, have I ever had what? Have you ever, ever actually had this 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 experience where you you played with somebody for like five six holes, and you were like, "Oh, this guy's awesome," and then they suddenly flip the switch? All the time. Oh yeah, no, and it it just. I mean, that's that's why this came about. Like, I think I made made a mistake with with one guy and then i was like well never doing that again and basically you know throughout an entire round of golf eventually you're you're gonna see we we all get beaten down by the game enough that your true colors start to show and yeah if someone is still if they still have a good attitude and they're still funny after nine holes or even better after 14 or 15 holes then you know you you probably got someone you want to hang out with and and bring out to the MGA. But I've had, I had a couple that were great through nine holes. And then on the back nine just got super slow. Like it was, I couldn't believe it. The pace was totally normal and good on the front. And then I'm thinking about telling them and I swear like the 10th hole stopped to a crawl. And I was like, Ooh, dodged a bullet there. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that happens to a lot of people. It's like they get in their head about something and then they just slow everything down. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? That's not going to help. 
Have you ever seen one of those yeah. people get better when they slow down? I, I've never <laughs> once seen it. I, I had the so my biggest memory of this happening was I went out by myself one day to Lincoln Park Golf Course, thinking Lincoln. You know, Lincoln Lincoln's a it's a muni and it's the it's the crappier of the munis in San Francisco. It's very beautiful as far as like the scenery and everything, but it's not a super well maintained course. It's fairly cheap, so you get a lot of people who are learning and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so I played with this uh, couple of guys and you know, we were we were having some beers and we were having some laughs and then I can't remember what hole exactly it was. It was like 11 or 12, something like that. Uh, I definitely remember. Oh, it was that uphill. Uh, there's the downhill par three and then the uphill par four. So that's got to be 11 or something like that, right? I don't know. Whatever. Um, I don't know. So the guy hits one into the woods and then he goes, ah, I'll just I'll just hit another one. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I don't care if this guy's playing by the rules or not at this point. And he hits another one into the woods. And then he just proceeds to start screaming and yelling, just cool. screaming and like uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I was like, what is happening? Like I was looking at the other guy and the other guy didn't really even seem to notice because they were friends. With, maybe he'd seen this many times before. Uh, but right. yeah, at that point, I was just like, holy crap. Thank God I didn't tell these guys. Um, yeah. Right. Because, you know, this is the thing. If you invite a guy to join your chapter, he joins, he gets all excited. Next thing you know, that guy could be around for the next 20 years of your life. So (laughs) be careful. That guy could be the godfather of your children. You know what I mean? Be careful. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I always look for people who get it. Uh, This is uh, something you've you've talked about with me a lot. People who get it. Right. Right. It's important to understand. Some people get it. Some people don't get it. Uh, Like to you, what does getting it mean to you, John? Getting it for me for me means knowing that you are out there to compete as hard as you can. You really want to win. You're going to try your best, but if shit's not going your way, you're still going to have a good time and you're still going to be able to laugh about it. And you're not going to bitch about how your handicap screwed you. I mean, you're just, you just got to go in with the right attitude, but yeah, for me, it's, it's trying, trying as hard as you can and just being able to laugh when shit doesn't go your way. Cause, yeah. cause we do want to win out there. I want this to be competitive. That's why we play by the rules. That's why we have the handicap system so we can have fun, challenging competitions. That's why we started the whole damn thing. Yeah. And, uh, so we want people to care about it until shit goes wrong and then just chill out and have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a hundred percent right. I, I would, I would add that's very similar. So I play in a lot of pool leagues and, um, I take it very, very seriously, but, I've seen some people on other teams where if one of the players on their team plays badly, the other people start to kind of like get on their case about it, right? Like try to make the guy feel bad about playing badly that day. And I would never, ever want to be on a team like that. And I can tell that all the guys on that team think that they just want to win. But I think you're kind of just being an asshole. And I want to win really badly, but I will never, ever tell one of my teammates anything to make them feel bad when they miss a shot or play badly or something like that. I'll always try to encourage them to be better the next time and just try to do that for yourself in golf. Cause obviously in golf, it's not really a team sport. Although sometimes it is when you have the cross bay cup and stuff, but it's an individual sport, but just go easy on yourself, be out there to have, you know, a good time. And, uh, if you do have that good attitude, you know, sometimes that'll hold together for 18 holes and you're going to have a great round. You're going to win a tournament. We've seen it many, many times. So, 
Yeah, that that is getting yep. is is that competitive nature with the easygoing attitude, and those are it's it to me they seem to go so well hand in hand. But I guess for some people they don't feel that way. Um, but that's why I think the, you know the MJ is such a small tight knit group uh, is because we're we're a bunch of guys who get it, we're a bunch of guys and gals yep. who get it. Um, so there you go. Uh, do you have anything else to add to uh, you know how to build on this culture of the MJ that we that we love so much? No, I think uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Just a little update at the end here: we're up to 390 people as of right now for uh, for Vegas this year. So as long as uh, all those people who put down deposits end up signing up. Uh, it'll it'll easily be a new record field. Uh, do do you know yep. how many spaces are currently left? Is that a number that we can give out? That would that would be forty two. Forty two. Okay, that's yep. not a lot of spaces, guys. So it's not a lot of spaces. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now and you have not secured your spot, maybe just stop the podcast right now and go do it. MGAWC.com. That's where you can find all the information. Uh, all the uh, up-to-date information. The dates are already locked in. Um, and uh, I encourage you, yeah, get out there. And, uh, and if you've never been to the MJWC, holy crap, you are missing out and you need to be there. It's the best thing ever. Yep. What, what was the field last year, by the way? 345. Okay, yeah, so we're well beyond that. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, yeah November 11th yeah. and 12th this year, 2022, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, get out there to MJWC.com. That's, that's where you need to go. Uh, you'll see the MGA culture on full display at the MJWC, by the way. So if you are still confused at all, come out and uh, it will be clear in your mind what the MGA means to so many people uh, when you get out there for that. Uh, all right. Anything else to add as well? Uh, not not culture-based? Do you want to point anybody to anything? Uh, no pointing except make sure you come back when we talk about the slug index. There you go. Yeah. Next episode. Very passionate about it. Very important episode coming up. Uh, that'll be episode number 40, a milestone episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the slug index, which is, of course, uh, I would say an underused portion of the website right now. We'd like to. Absolutely. So we want to get everybody on board with that. And that's really all about, you know, improving the pace of play. Making sure that you're out there having a great time, but you're not out there in the sun for seven hours, right? Um, and especially <laughs> leading into the world championships, this is a big deal because we got the entire course to ourselves, yes. But we got a lot of people out there grinding, trying their best to win. And we, we can do all that while still playing quickly. I know. I know it. These, I've seen it. These slow rounds get longer every time we talk about them. <laughs> seven hours now. Yeah, seven <laughs> hours now. Yep, there we go. Uh, before we go, before we're uh, done with episode 39, I want to remind everybody where they can find out more about the MGA. MGATour.com, number one place to keep up with the MGA. As I mentioned, MJWC.com is where you can find all things World Championship. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com uh, slash the real MGA, uh, Mediocre Golf on Twitter, and Mediocre Golf Association on Instagram. Uh, and I definitely encourage you just if you're new to the MGA on Instagram, just search MGA. And once you start following a couple chapters, they will just start showing up in your recommended a ton of chapters that use Instagram a lot. And it's really cool. And I encourage if your chapter doesn't have it, use it. Use hashtags. It's on the website too, MGATour.com. Well, yeah, follow, following the hashtag MGA Tour is a good way to get a lot of discover new chapters because then it'll just show up in your feed anytime someone tags something MGA Tour. So yeah. that's a good way to discover who's on there too. 
Yeah, we want to see all the bad lies, all the horrible swings. We want to see all that. Share it with each other. It's hilarious. It's awesome. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for episode 39 of the MGA Mediocast, or episode two, depending on who you ask. Uh, my name is Bills, <laughs> and then, of course, is El Presidente John Lucky Kick Morley, and we will see everybody for the very next episode of the MGA Mediocast. Cast.